goes from Mosheva, goes to Mishnah. Our son Pastor, I have a Filipino pastor, but I have sports Filipino pastor because he messaged me, and that's how I do a lot of my Filipino contacts is on a Facebook messenger. But he messaged me. He has one leg, and he his his prosthetic broke. He's got his prosthetic now for 15, 14 years, and it broke this past week. And he messaged me, Father Jeff, please pray for me. I can't get out. I can't finish it. I can't. And you know, somebody last night preached on First John about if you treat your brother as you would treat your enemy, you pledge your vows of compassion, and you say, I'll pray for you, I'll dwell with the love of God. And, and I, I wanted to text back and say, I'll, I'll pray for you. But something convicted me. So I'm going to be, somebody, somebody left money on the book table, and I appreciate that. That's going to be going to the Philippines um, to help my brother, my pastor's brother, with his prosthetic leg. So just so you know, I do listen to my own sermons. And uh, some of the money from whoever left it on the book table, that's going to be going to a Filipino pastor who needs a new prosthetic leg. And hopefully we can raise the money. Supposedly, he said it was either between $15 and $60. So hopefully we'll get Brother James a new prosthetic leg. But a great man. He sends me messages all the time about what God's doing. I've helped with concrete for his uh, children's program. And he said, praise the Lord, they're not muddy and they're running concrete. And I'm thinking, wow, we got to show him. Praise the Lord for that. Here we are in Psalm 73. And i got a question for you as we get started. Have you ever wondered why people exist? Have you ever wondered that? It's a big question, isn't it? Why does he even exist? Because, after all, hold on. Is God capable and able of getting rid of people? Psalm 73, verse 1. Notice what it says here. Asaph, he's a 50 man. I can identify his age with Asaph. He wrote several psalms right in this 70 section. And Asaph says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. That's good to me. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I grow my strength. Asaph was struggling. Turn this off and change you there. Asaph was struggling. He, he, was, he was overwhelmed. And he was discouraged with what he was seeing every day. And he was looking around. He was looking what was happening. The truth. He was looking what was, who was getting promoted and who was getting ahead of things. And who had the money even. And he's a little bit discouraged. And I don't doubt that there's some of God's people tonight on this Wednesday night who have done the same thing. And if you're here tonight and that's you... Good news, you're in good company. And thankfully, the Word of God has answers for every single one of our questions. Father, would you help us tonight to understand truth? Would we venture down those areas that perhaps we don't like to think about? 
Would we allow your word to speak to us and would we be different because of what your word says to us? Would there be moms and dads and grandparents that tonight would find solace and comfort and encouragement in your word? And we all, would we all see what it takes to have sanity in this incredibly insane world? Lord, would you help us find the answer in you? And truly, that's where it's at. We love you. We need you. I need you. Help me to aptly and faithfully preach your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. And Asaph is not alone in this questioning. I would dare say that many of us in this room have had similar thoughts, but Asaph, even in Bible times, wasn't alone. Habakkuk asked, if you've ever read the little book of Habakkuk, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? He even cry unto thee of violence and thou will not save. You think about Job. Job asked the question in Job 21, Wherefore do the wicked live? Become old, yea, are mighty in power. And in many aspects, the entirety of the book of Job deals with the question of evil in some ways. You keep going, and in Revelation chapter 6, you find that when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for his testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? There's martyrs under the, 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 uh, in heaven. There's martyrs under there, under the altar, and they're wondering, God, why don't you do something? Why don't you take care of it? Because I know I'm not God, and everyone's thankful that I'm not God, and you're not God either. And we're all thankful that we're not. But if I were, I can tell you what would happen day one. There'll be some executive orders coming across and there'll be certain groups, certain ideologies, certain philosophies, certain actions that would no longer be taking place. So why doesn't God do something now? It's a big question. And that question right there has caused many to look and say, well, God is inept. In fact, there's whole groups of people now and it's a growing movement. It's called open theism. It basically says that God doesn't know the future. That God is just like one of us. He's just like he's just kind of hoping. He's kind of a he's a good uh, clockwinder. It's it's akin to deism, but it's it's been popular. We reject that completely because he holds the end from the beginning. He's not bound by time. That's right. That's that's, that's heresy. That's taking God and putting him down to a level that we can understand. But there's others who grow up in this, who grow up in truth, who have some sort of Bible thinking or perhaps interact with it on an academic level and yet see the suffering, the evil, the problems, and they use that as an excuse to get rid of God. And you find one of the great arguments that, uh, it's not a great argument, but it's one of the biggest arguments that these atheists and these social promoters use to downplay and get rid of God. Christianity is the fact that, well, it's just inept. Your God can't stop. Your God can't stop suffering. Your God can't stop cancer. Your God can't stop wars. Your, why does this happen? And Asaph in this psalm is actually dealing with those exact same questions. So if you've ever had those questions, it's important that we pay attention. Look what he says in verse 3, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He says they're prosperous. Have you ever wondered why God allows ISIS, Al-Qaeda, 
to be funded by these oil machines, they've got a lot of money. And even if you go beyond that, these, the, the most wealthy corporations in the world are actually religious corporations. The Vatican, vast wealth. But even there's a, another group of individuals, Americans, that have their headquarters down in Utah who have hedge funds worth billions and billions of dollars. I like Fairfield. It's a nice hotel. But you know who it's owned by? Why? Why don't, why don't you give some of that to independent fundamental Bible preaching people, God? We could do a little bit more with it. Right? Our, our message is correct. Our message is biblical. But he says like they're prosperous. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. It seems like they get to die in peace. And isn't it ironic that some of the most wicked men in history have gotten to live to an old age and die in peace? You think about Stalin. The, the most murderous man perhaps in the history of the world got to live to an old age. Why? And yet martyrs are being killed every day. God's people are being persecuted and killed. Why? Look what it says in verse 5. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. They're free from trouble. They have their empires, their security forces, their money to pad them. You think about the Soroses and the Bezos and the, all the controllers of the world who have their advanced security forces. And they're supposedly private citizens, but they're, they're basically running governments. Why? God, why do you allow this to happen? They're not in trouble. They're not plagued like other men. Verse 6, therefore pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as garment. They're so blasphemous, they're so proud, the more evil gets by with in this world, the harder people seem to get. And that's the exact question that Job asks. Why do the wicked get to become old? They're self-sufficient in verse 7. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. And you, you listen to these men, some now dead, who proclaimed foolishness and who had a platform who knew attract tens of thousands of college students to these forums, and they blast God. And they stand there, these atheists, Dawkins, Hitchens, all, you name it, you go down the list of these popular atheists who the college students and the college age follow, and they just get, they, they have no need for God, and they stand there in pride and blast the name of our God and our Savior. Why? God, why do you let them do that? Look what it says there, verse 9, or verse 8, they are corrupt and speak wickedly. Concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. They're evil, they're blasphemous, and they're just plain wicked. I'm sick of hearing little clips as I go through life whether it be on social media, of these late-night talk show pundits blasting God. I, I, I wish their mouths will be stopped. It, it, it's, it's disturbing. Look what it says in verse number 10. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of, waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. Asaph says God's people return, and they come back, and their heart is heavy, and they've got a full plate, and they're just thinking about all these issues. And I don't doubt that tonight that some of us, maybe not recently, but in the past few years or decades, or, or perhaps we're raising children, children, we've laid in bed thinking, what in the world is this? What's happening? What's this world coming to? 
we have sat there and thought about all the different things that are happening. We look at the economics with all that's happening now. We look at the political realm. And we, oh, my word. What's happening? And truth is called evil and evil is called good. All the confusion that is in our world. And we've wondered, God, why? Why can't you stop this? Why don't you stop this? Are you there, God? And I'm asking questions because the text does, but, you know, some of us would be hesitant to actually say this out loud because, after all, we sing, God is so good, he's so good to me. And we believe the Bible's the word of God and God will one day rule and reign and every knee will bow. But, but God, I see what's happening to our youth. I see what's happening to this age group that we just ministered to, how they're getting led along as a lamb to the slaughter, literally. And they're getting eaten alive. And all sorts of ideology that is completely blasphemous is getting shoved down their throat. Why, God? Verse 11, and they say, this is God's people. How does God know? Is their knowledge of the most high? Behold, these are ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And then Asaph says, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. He says, if it's just not, it must not be worth it. Because if evil's going to get by, if God's not capable, if God's not able, if God's not going to take care of this, then why does it really matter to live a consecrated life? Why does it, why should we even, who in their right mind meets and comes together on a Wednesday night? Right? Because if God's not capable, if God's not able, if God's not going to win, why bother? Just go, go live for yourself, friend. Go do your own thing. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. And that's the attitude that if we're not careful, we can get so sideways. And I can tell you, I've seen it multiple times where God's people have let division and let problems and let problems of this life get them a little bit sidetracked. And they just back away from truth. They back away from church. They back away from God. And they may still claim it, but they can't answer the questions anymore. So they say, well, I, I, I don't know. They become a practical agnostic. And perhaps there's some of you that are almost there tonight. Notice what it says in verse number 14. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus... Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Have you ever had a question, a legitimate question inside that you didn't externalize, you kept it internal because you didn't want to disturb the kids? I have. I don't, I don't, I don't want to upset my kids. But you legitimately, I don't know what's going to happen in our country. I don't know what's going to happen in our world. I, what's going to happen? But in, inside, you, you end up Bible time with the kids. Okay, kids, let's sing it together. God is so good. And inside you're thinking, is he? Can I, can I trust him? You're not alone. John the Baptist had doubt. Asaph had doubt. You know where we take the doubt? To Jesus, and he will nowise cast us out. But notice what it says in verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. 
how many Christians have gone through the difficulties of life, and as we saw Sunday night, they're, they're at the point where their hands are hanging down. I can't. I, I can't. Their knees are weak. They're just trembling. I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't keep going. This is too hard. You see what's happening. You see what's, what's taking place. You see we're, we're no longer in the majority. We're the minority. We're, we're looked at as whack people. Why, God, why are you allowing this? And so many of God's people have walked away from truth because they've had the Asaph mentality. But notice there's a complete difference. If we ended the message here, it'd be pretty sad. It'd be pretty heartbreaking. But it doesn't end here. Look at verse 16. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Friend, you and I, and I'm speaking to God's people tonight. Friend, you and I have to daily commune with God. That is the only sanity in this insane, insane world. We've got to go into the sanctuary of God on a daily basis. And if we don't, we're not going to make it spiritually. No, no, no. We've got our eternal life. We're saved securely. God keeps us. We know that. But unless you and I are daily walking with God, we're not going to make it. We're going to get sidetracked. We're going to go sideways. We're going to get off. We're not going to live for God. We're not going to live holy, consecrated lives. Look what he says in verse 17, 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with tears. As a dream when one awakeneth, so, O Lord, when thou awakenest, thou shalt despise their image. Right now there's, there's names, we've mentioned some of them already, who have incredible wealth, incredible power, incredible accolades, incredible acceptance. Names like Bezos. Musk, Gates, Clinton. But the moment they breathe their last, what do they have? Nothing. 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 And in fact, they will be paying for their sins for all of eternity. They'll have the biggest debt of humanity, their own debt of sin. And yet the moment we breathe our last... What happens? We have everything. Wait a minute, we're already his son, so we already have everything. And we're already up there in his eyes. We're already justified. There's no more condemnation. Wow. This is what we have to do. We have to come on a daily basis and, and think about who God is. We have to go to the sanctuary of God. And if we don't go to the sanctuary, if we stay out of the sanctuary, we will get sideways. We'll have the ASAP mentality. We'll have a full cup. Oh, God, what are you doing, God? Why don't you do it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Be still and know that I am God. God is seated in the heavenlies. He hath done whatsoever he will. And the justice of God is like a wheel that grinds slowly. It grinds. And one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. People ask, what's this world coming to? It's coming to Jesus on their knees, whether they like it or not. And that is the assurance that you and I have. 
We didn't sing it tonight, but I was thinking about raising my hand and singing 805, Because He Lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. I don't have to worry about what's happening and the world will grow more wicked and wicked. We see that. We know that. That's promised. But I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. Hallelujah. And Asaph realizes, oh, I've made a huge mistake here. And thankfully, God allowed him to record his thoughts so you and I can identify with him and see that we're not alone in this. This is not just you and me. Oh, we can't say that to pastor because pastor may think me ill. Chances are pastors had some thoughts like that too. I have. Look what it says there. Go back. Verse 21. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. He confesses. He acknowledges. Oh, I've made a mistake. I've been looking at this so long. So wrong. So foolish was I. Verse 22. And I, ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. And then he starts to come to truth that you and I need to live with, that you and I need to live on. Notice what he says. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. God holds me. Can you say it with me? God holds me. What truth do you and I need to live in our lives? How can you and I make it through to the next? God holds me. And aren't you thankful he does? There's no sanity this life. In fact, let me just let you in on something. Asaph doesn't get his answer. Remember Job? Did he get his answer? Job, God, why are you... Do- what does God do at the end of the book of Job? Were you there when I formed this? Were you there when I created this? Were you there here? Were you there when I flung out the stars? No, no. And in fact, you never find the answer fully given, but that's why it's called living by faith, not by sight. It's God that we trust. And we don't understand. If we could understand it all, then we'd be God. And I, I gladly accept my position and not in the Trinity. I'm down here. But I do know this, that he holds me. He's got me. He's got you and me, brother, in his hand. And that means more to me than my team winning, than my candidate winning at the, at the ballot box. Yeah, I, I do pray for certain things. But that's exciting. That's worthwhile. God holds me, but it doesn't stop there. He holds me by my right hand. He's got me, and he's leading me along. He, he's guiding me, as we'll see. He, he's showing me the way. In fact, that's exactly what the next phrase says, verse 24. Thou shalt guide me. Can you say it? God leads me. Say it with me. God leads me. Aren't you thankful in this insane world that you and I aren't just left to kind of Uh, go along with the flow as the deists and even as the uh, open theists suggest today. Well, God's up in heaven. Just do your thing. Make your own plans. Make your own deal. And God's just trying to maybe set a few things up to help you. No. No. God guides me. And I'm to the age now where I can look back and I can see how he led and he guided and he directed and he moved. And I look back at decisions that didn't seem all that significant at the time. But today I look back and wow, my life would have been incredibly different 
had that not happened. And all I can say is that Jesus led me all the way. And who am I to try to push my own will in this? That's rebellion. That's stupidity. Let me think about this. Me who knows this much, this much or God who knows yes. Yeah. There's nothing he doesn't know. Mm, let me think about that. Who do I want to trust? Mm, I think I'll trust God. He guides me. He leads me. God holds me. God leads me. But look what it says at the end of verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. God keeps me. Can you say it with me? God keeps me. I don't know how to get to heaven, do you? I, I, I know how to, who, who's going to take me there. I just don't know where it's at. And I can't get there. Can you? No. But aren't you thankful that that's not up to us? Again, let these words sink in. And afterward, receive me to glory. He's going to take me to heaven. That's not a fairy tale. That's not some pipe dream. That, that, that's reality. Because I'm his own. He's mine. I'm forgiven. I'm his child. He's going to take me to glory and be with him forever without sin and without stupid, stupid people. Yes! Hallelujah! This is great. He keeps me. He's got me. These truths are what you and I need on a regular basis. God holds me. God leads me. God keeps me. Those are the truths that we need to be reminded of on a daily basis, sometimes hourly basis, especially if you've got the Fox News app up and you get some ding, ding, dings, and you, oh, it's going to... Oh, time out, time out, time out. God's still on the throne. He's still there. Look what it says in verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. This is where you and I need to live. Yeah, I can look around. I can see what's happening economically, politically, spiritually. And it's disturbing. It's hard. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. I talked to the creator this morning. And guess what? He's still on his throne. He's always been on his throne. He always will be on his throne. And friend, if you and I aren't spending time regularly with God, opening his word to you and I, you're not going to make it. So you're just going to make this, the rest of this about Bible reading and prayer? Yep. That's what we need. That's what I need. It's not some magic potion that we put in our water, like we put creamer in our coffee. Well... Got my creamer, my coffee, got my Bible reading for the day. No, it is the sanity that keeps us going through this world. 
and you show me a Christian who has a daily time walking with God, and they may not be everything they could be yet, but I'll show you a believer who's got security in this insane world. You show me a Christian who may look the part, have good religious standing, who may be active, may be complete, but who is not actively in the word. I'll show you a Christian who is disturbed, mentally unstable, and who is the double-minded man that James 1 speaks of. Friend, you and I have got to be daily in the word. Look at that last verse there, again, verse 28. But it is what? Good for me to what? Draw near. You know what it is when you and I open our Bible in the morning, it's, it's a good luck chart. No. It's saying, God, I realize that I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the wherewithal. I don't have the sanity. I don't have any of that. I need you. And I humbly submit myself to, myself to you. And the re- way I submit myself to you is by praying to you, by reading my Bible, by walking with you, by talking with you, by drawing near, by dwelling in your holy temple, by thinking on you and rehearsing the goodness of God in my heart and life and speaking to my inner man and saying, hey, hey, don't be cast down because there's a God whom I serve who holds me, who guides me. And who secures me in heaven. He keeps me till the end. That's the truth that can calm our troubled soul when we are sideways. That's the truth that you and I need on a daily basis. And I would say hourly basis. And minute by minute basis. Moment by moment I'm kept in his care. You're not going to know it if you've got your head in the world. We're not going to think about it if we're not daily walking in truth. So let me stop and ask you. Question number one that this passage asked, have you had questions like this? Yeah, but I've been afraid to talk about it because you don't have to be. Because God already knows. Aren't you thankful he knows our frame? He knows we're but dust. And you're not alone. There's some solid biblical men who had some of those same questions. Asaph. Habakkuk, the martyrs in Revelation, Job, you're in good company. But hey, what's the answer? Going consistently and walking with God, loving him. Maybe perhaps you're like me and you need help in reading your Bible. Some of you I know have good habits and you've got a chair, a lamp, a notebook, you've got it all set, and you've, you know, it's the holy, my grandpa used to call it the holy's holiest. And he had a kind of, he was a southern boy, and he talked like this, he, holy holiest, that's my holy holiest. And I knew what he meant, but that's, you know, you didn't disturb him. That was his place, his time, and he, he had his book, he had his Bible, and he was, he was a unique character. I miss him incredibly, but I will see him again. He got, he was a boozer in the Korean War, walked into a Baptist church and said, I'll come back if you get me a date with that girl. Well, that girl happened to have gone to Bob Jones in the 40s and 50s and was a strict, strict Baptist from Iowa who was teaching now at a brand new Christian school in Pensacola, Florida. Well, the girl said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be part of this, but I'm going to help you get to Christ and I'm done with you. Seven months later, they were married. <laughs> That's my grandma and grandpa. They're both in heaven now. But grandpa would sit there every day and he had his Bible. I have them now. And he would walk through truth. He, he was a simple man in some ways. And God was still working on his sanctification <laughs> all the way till the end. <laughs> but he loved the word of God. 
And then I, I, a lot of times I remember him saying, oh, Brent, I'm so dis- but you want to you see what I found? Come here, come here, come here. Sit up, sit up, sit up. He'd show me a psalm, a passage. That's good. He was a deaf man. I never learned sign language because he had a cochlear when I was a kid. And I'd have to speak up and enunciate when I was talking to him. And he slurred a lot of words that were really hard to understand at times. But he showed me this is real. This is truth you can depend on. Truth that won't lead you wrong. So some of you may be like me. Sometimes you get a little bit, how do I, I don't, I don't know. There's, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. It's ev- there's evils is here as well. But I have, th- I think, three different Bible apps on my phone. I use them for different purposes. But you know one of them, what it does to me almost every other morning? It reads the Bible to me. How many of you, be honest, have gotten sidetracked while you're reading the Bible? Can I see your hand? Oh, you, oh, I can't. <laughs> no, we're all there. How many of you have started thinking about what you're going to do? You've started, like, doing your taxes while you're reading the Bible almost. Yeah. You know what I found? If you can engage more, sense, uh, more of your senses, you can, you can be more, a little bit more successful. Because I've gotten down to the end of the page and thought, wait, wait a minute. My mind was on 3,000 projects I have today. You know what I found? That if I have the Bible app playing it to me, and I have different ones, Alexander Scorby, the old, you know, the old actor who reads the Bible that we all know that the Bible, the King James Bible, sounds like this. I have that guy, and I've listened to hours and hours. By the way, the Bible, if you're ever driving, is really listenable. It's really incredible. I love listening to the Bible. It's 84 hours, in case you're curious. But seriously, you struggle with the book of Leviticus? Two and a half hours? Out here in South Dakota, you drive if you're going to go anywhere. Instead of listening to talk radio or the oldies, listen to the Bible. And you will be amazed that when you're thinking through a book, and will you catch more? You think about what the argument is or what the whole theme of this is, and you try to put it together, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I see what he's saying. I love doing that. Hebrews is actually a message. Sometimes it's deep, but you listen to Hebrews, it's 45 minutes. Sounds like a Baptist message to me, doesn't it? 45-minute message, that's the book of Hebrews. Christ is better. That's the argument. That's the point. And here's a suggestion. This is free. Take your Bible app out sometime. If you don't need one, talk to pastor. He could show you a couple. But find it, read it, listen, follow along, or listen while you're following along. And you'll find there's a lot of great truth. I'm on something this year. i got to look this up real quick. Um, if my phone experiences, no, I don't want to install that. Um, okay, it's called, what is this called? version. That sounds kind of narcissistic, doesn't it? You version. But here's what I'm doing. And this has really been challenging. I knew I wanted to read through the Psalms and Proverbs more this year. And the first of the year, my pastor, my new pastor, texted me and called me up and said, Hey, we're doing a Bible reading plan while we're, where we're reading through the Psalms and Proverbs. Can I, can I put you on our plan? Sure. And there's 30-something of us on you version, and we can see who's read their Bible that day. Because you check it off after you read it. <gasps> Accountability? Oh no! Some of your eyes just got big. I, you know. <laughs> but what's wrong with that? Aren't we supposed to bear one another's faults and pray for one another and help each other? 
Maybe you struggle. Oh, Brent, I don't think I could read 13 chapters. I'm not asking you. I'm just reading a psalm and proverb a day, and I check, check, and then there's a little place. I can see if others have read it, and then I can leave some comments even to it, and they can see if I've read it. Wow. Accountability. From here, you version. It's pretty cool. I don't know what you should do, but maybe some of you should get together and do this you version thing and set up your own Bible reading plans, or maybe some of you should just do it with somebody else that you trust. Hey, I've struggled to be consistent. Can you help keep me accountable? Or I need a Bible reading plan. I, some of you may be ready for a full year. Some of you may be ready to go through the Bible three or four times a year. I don't know where you're at. But I'm sure pastor could supply it. And honestly, you can Google Bible reading plan, and you can print one off, and you can check mark your boxes. And you can, my wife's on a two-year Bible reading plan where she reads through the Bible in two years. I'm on a Psalms and Proverbs, and I'm studying in other places too. I've read through the Bible previously. This year, I don't think I'm going to because of different things. But whatever it is, get into the Word. Look again what it says there. Verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in thee, or put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. It's good for you and I to draw near. And how do we draw near? Is that some sort of spiritual mystic thing that you go to the Old Testament temple and you're just kind of, mm, no. That's called, read your Bible, pray every day. You know that song? And you'll grow, grow, grow. You know, they have this old saying, the best things you learned, you learned in kindergarten. There's truth to that. And here we are, we're finishing this great revival. What great truth do you want to leave with the congregation, Brent? Read your Bible and pray. But that's, in essence, probably where most of us struggle, just being honest. And notice that last phrase. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. Have you ever wondered why you don't want to share your faith? You know you should. We all know we should. That's part of the Great Commission. It's not a great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. Go and tell. Yes, we're supposed to live it out. But God calls you and I to share our faith. Even in the Old Testament, you can see examples of people, and even truths like this, that they wanted to. Why isn't that we don't want to? I would submit to you that sometimes it's because we're so sideways with what's happening in this world. Oh, did you see what's happening in here? And did you see what's happening here? Oh, yeah. God, what are you, are you even there, God? Well, wait a minute. He guides me. He holds me. He secures me. Hallelujah. Hey, do you know him? Let me tell you about the works of my God. It changes our whole mentality. It changes our life when we draw near to God. Sharing our faith is no longer a dreaded It is something that we're passionate. But they reject you. Yeah, Jesus said they would because they rejected him too. But he knows who's going to trust Christ. And you and I just need to be faithful, planting, watering. Occasionally we get to harvest, praise the Lord. Planting, watering, getting rejected. Planting, watering, planting, watering. Harvest, yay! Planting, watering, planting, sharing the seed. Where does that come from? When you and I, as verse 28 says, draw near, to God. Perhaps tonight some of you have been sideways about something in your life. I challenge you to draw near to God. Realize again, go back to the holy place. Realize the wicked aren't going to be around forever. But God leads me. He guides me. 
God secures me. Hallelujah. What a Savior. It will change your life to daily open your Bible, read, pray, obey, praise, and follow what God has for you to do. If you don't know my Jesus, your, life, your, your, your life's empty. Some of you can testify what it was like before you met Jesus. But if you don't know him, tonight you can. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes as we finish tonight. Thank you for your kind attention.